celebrated the risen Christ. We have heard about many of the encounters that the different disciples had with the risen body of Jesus. During these encounters, Jesus spoke again of the many things that he had taught them when he had been with them before the crucifixion. He continued to encourage them, to enliven them, and these encounters with the body, they caused them to just go forth and to be able to continue those things that Jesus had been doing when he was with them. And then before he ascended into heaven, he promised them that he would send down the Holy Spirit to be with them, to guide them, to dwell with them, to empower them to continue that work in the world. And so here we are 50 days after Easter on the day of Pentecost. Now you'll notice that in our scripture today it actually used the word Pentecost. Um, and that's because that word comes to us from Greek and translates more or less literally to mean 50th. So Pentecost was the 50th day for the Hebrew people, uh, the 50th day after the Passover. And this Greek word was used to describe that feast in the Greek-speaking world at that time. And uh, at that time, the Jewish people had a festival, the, the Feast of Weeks. And that occurs 50 days after the start of Passover, or as the Hebrew people would have understood it, a week of weeks, so seven weeks after the start of Passover. And so when our text tells us today that they were gathered on that Pentecost day, this is what it means. It was that 50th day after Passover when they were gathered together for this festival. And so this holiday is a combination of two different celebrations. It was a day in which they would have celebrated the wheat harvest, but it was also the day that they observed as the day that God had given the Torah to the people of Israel. And so due to the story we read today, we now observe Pentecost here in the Christian church. But instead of celebrating it as the day that the Torah, the law, was given to the Hebrew people, we celebrate it as the day that the Holy Spirit was given to all people to empower us to live in the world. And so the disciples were all together in one place when the house was filled with wind and a sound and individual tongues of flame and light alighted on each of them. And from that moment, as they spoke, all the other people who were gathered there in Jerusalem for the festival began to understand them in their own languages, wherever they were from. And these, these Jews and converts to Judaism were gathered from all over the empire that spread across the Mediterranean and yet they could all understand what the disciples were saying. And so this refers us back then to another story from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Tower of Babel. And in that story, we know that people decided that they wanted to climb up to heaven so that they could be equal to God. And so they started to build a tower to reach up into the heavens. And God decided, well, we're going to confuse their language and we're going to scatter them around the globe. But here in our story today, we see that the story is reversed. That people from all over the globe are gathered together and they can each understand each other in their own languages. 
and not because the disciples were trying to climb up and be equal to God, but because God came down to be with us here on earth. God descended and alighted on them with tongues of flame. And I'm trying to imagine how terrifying that would have been. Think about it. We were gathered in this place and suddenly the place was filled with a wind and a sound and tongues of flame were coming down to alight on each of our heads. I imagine we would each be running for the nearest exit. And maybe that's what the disciples did too. I mean, after all, you know, we, we say they're gathered together in one place and then all of a sudden they're outside with a crowd gathered around them. Maybe they all ran for the doors as soon as they saw the fire and the wind. And it was confusing. Sometimes God appearing in our lives is a little confusing. You know, I imagine that the disciples, maybe they did speak some different languages. Maybe it wouldn't be impossible that a few of the people there might be able to hear the disciples speaking in their own native languages, but there were probably more people gathered around in that crowd, more languages represented in that crowd than there were disciples present. So how is it possible that they all could hear and understand? And so there was confusion and surprise Though at least a few of those, as we heard in our story, just laughed it off as a drunken display. And that's actually pretty understandable if you think about it. At least some of those in the crowd would have known who these disciples were, would have known that they were apostles and followers of Jesus. They knew that Jesus had been executed as an enemy of the state. They knew the stories that they'd been hearing, these disciples talking about running into Jesus and talking to him and being around him again and sharing a meal. It's not surprising that now with all this commotion, someone would have said they're just drunk. And no matter that, that Peter wants to say it's impossible for the disciples to be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning, I mean, maybe... But it's unsurprising to think that some of the disciples were seen as drunk as a way of explaining these encounters, these stories, and all this commotion. And then Peter quotes the prophet Joel, going back again, digging into their scriptures to try and explain what it was that was going on. This is not drunkenness. But the work of the Spirit as promised by God through the prophet Joel and by Jesus directly to his disciples coming down to empower them, to be with them. This is that day on which God's Spirit is poured out on men and women, on young and old, on free and enslaved to empower them to have visions, to prophesy, to speak out in truth. All of the people have a place in God's kingdom, not just some. All have a role to play 
and God's kingdom, not just some. Diversity is no longer an excuse for the things that separate us. Diversity, instead, in our story today, is the very thing that brings them together. They were gathered from all over the world. They all spoke different native languages, and yet they all could hear and understand the stories of the mighty work of God that were being proclaimed. I keep trying again to imagine what that was like. The rushing wind, the tongues of flame, the sudden ability to understand one another no matter what language was being spoken. And as they realized what was happening, I'm sure the disciples were getting more and more excited. The energy in that place must have been amazing. They would have recognized the same energy that they had felt when they were traveling through the countryside with Jesus, the same energy that they felt when they encountered the risen Jesus after the resurrection, they would have recognized that same energy coming down and alighting on them like tongues of flame burning within them without consuming them. But I think that's hard sometimes for us to imagine I think sometimes we think that those stories are great that God showed up back then, but we sometimes have a hard time seeing where God continues to show up for us today. We forget that God didn't stop showing up 2,000 years ago. The story didn't end on Good Friday or on Easter or on that first Pentecost The story didn't end with Peter or Paul or any of the other apostles or even their immediate followers or their immediate followers. After that day of Pentecost, the disciples spread throughout the known world. They gathered other followers throughout the empire and beyond followers of Jesus spread out from Jerusalem into northern Africa, into southern Asia, and into Europe. In those first years of the work of the disciples, and that story continues to spread today. We look back today on that first Pentecost as the birth of the church as we know it, the day that Christianity as something distinct from its Jewish roots was born. And I think sometimes we we think of that as kind of a natural progression, but we sometimes miss that for those first disciples, this was just something new to them. They could see the hints of the stories that they knew in their scriptures, but they still sometimes had a hard time understanding this new thing that was happening Those who were the first followers with Jesus were all Jews. They all knew their Hebrew text. They knew the stories that they had grown up with. They did their best to observe the laws, to follow the holy days and the festivals. They weren't trying to start something new. They were simply trying to learn how to better follow what it was that God was telling them 
in the law and in the prophets, in the holy days and the festivals that they all knew. But on that Pentecost, the Holy Spirit breaks in with something new for them. And as observant Jews, they would have recognized the hints that were there, the nuances at play. Peter explicitly points back to the prophet Joel. They would have recognized the reversal of the story of the Tower of Babel. We have the sound and the wind that they would have known from the stories of God's appearance to Elijah. We have the Spirit descending on them descending on them on the same day that they were gathered to observe the Torah being given to their people. And we can't forget the fire that was present. A pillar of fire led the Hebrew people as they left Egypt and wandered in the wilderness. And fire figures into the call stories of several of the prophets and leaders in their Hebrew scriptures especially a fire that burns without consuming. Fire is part of that appearance of God to Elijah. A burning coal is placed on the lips of Isaiah as he begins his ministry. And Moses is called to lead the Hebrew people to freedom by a burning bush that is not consumed. Through the reversal of the curse of Babel, we see that, that the people were able to understand one another. And this is often the Old Testament story that is brought up in relation to Pentecost. But for me, I got stuck on that image of the burning bush as I was preparing to preach for today. I got stuck on that image of Moses out wandering in the wilderness with his father-in-law's sheep. Moses, who had become content with a life that he had found for himself after fleeing from Pharaoh's household. Moses, who wanted nothing more than to hide away from the limelight to just watch the sheep and spend time with his family. Moses, who just wanted to live simply for the rest of his days. And yet he sees this bush that is burning without being consumed, and he draws closer. And he's, a voice calls to him from that bush, telling him to remove his shoes because he's walking on holy ground. And then God speaks to Moses from that bush, God speaks out of the flame, out of the fire, and sets Moses on the path that he would follow for the rest of his days. And it is the same fire, the same fire that burns without consuming, that descended on the disciples on that day of Pentecost, a fire that called them, that empowered them, that set them on the path that each of them would follow for the rest of their days. And it's that same fire that empowers and enlivens us today. A fire that does not consume us, but one that empowers us, that strengthens us, that excites us, that calls us 
to follow Jesus for the rest of our days. A fire that leads us and shows us the way, just as surely as the pillar of fire led the Hebrews out of bondage and into freedom. And just as the Holy Spirit then led the disciples out into new directions and to places that most of them had planned not to go, the Holy Spirit often calls us to step out and to walk in directions that we did not intend to go. No one shows up on Sunday morning intending to do push-ups in the aisle. And yet sometimes that's exactly what God calls us to do. And we might think it's crazy. We might not have any idea why it is God is calling us to that new thing, in that new direction, in that place we didn't plan to go. And yet sometimes if we just listen and follow, it will become clear. And so what about you? Where is it that you feel the Spirit at work in your life? Where do you see the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in this community, in this congregation, in this city where we live? What is the Holy Spirit empowering you to do to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ here in this place? I was thinking I might, might try something a little different today, or at least something a little different for me. Would anyone like to share where you see the Spirit at work in your life or in this community? Can you say something about where you see God leading us, God still present here with us and calling us, leading us forward? I'll offer that opportunity if anyone wants to share. No one has to, but I wanted to give it if there's anyone who would like to share. And hey, if no one wants to, I completely understand. I hate getting up in front of crowds of people and talking too. Well, just know that the Holy Spirit is here and present with us. Maybe the Holy Spirit is in your heart, nudging you in a new place, in a new direction. Maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you to renew your commitment in some way. Maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you to participate in some new way. Later this summer, I'm going to be having a gathering after one of our worship services. I'm still trying to get it scheduled, where I want to invite those who want to stick around for a little lunch and conversation to talk about what it means for us to gather together each week and worship God. What does that look like? What does it mean for us to gather in praise of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be in this place? And are there other ways, are there other gifts in this community that we could put to use in our praise of God in this place? So I want you to think about that. Think about whether or not God is nudging you in that way. And know that there are many ways in which the Spirit continues to burn within us to burn with a holy fire, 
a fire that gives energy but does not consume us. That spirit guides us, leads us, and sends us forth in service to the word in our world. Are we ready for that? Are we ready to go where the Spirit moves us to go? Are we ready to be called to go someplace maybe that we did not intend to go? I'm ready to go there with you. So let's go.